We got some awesome verbal jabs going around from coach to coach around the SEC. Who said what and who retaliated among name, image, and likeness? Zach Blackerby is going to check in and talk to us a little bit about the Senior Bowl. And we'll finish off with a little Tennessee and South Carolina preview coming up on Saturday. All that and more here on a Friday Locked on Ball. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here we are again. It is Friday. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome into Locked On Vols. I am Eric Kane. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vols your first listen. If you're watching us on YouTube, thanks so much. Every single morning at 9 a.m. it premieres, and of course, you can go back and check it all day long. Please subscribe. Please support the show on YouTube. Our goal is 1,000. And uh, we continue to inch on closer towards that just two weeks now uh, with the show on YouTube. But Locked On Vols, your first listen each and every day, available anywhere you get your podcast. Locked On Vols, your team every single day. And I just, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a fun show. <laughs> I mean, it really, really is. Like I said in the cold open, let's go ahead and get right out into it, all right? So I'm sure you guys have been aware um, some SEC coaches have been taking some verbal jabs amongst one another. So earlier this week, it was National Signing Day. Like we've talked about on the show, it doesn't have all the hoopla that it used to. National Signing Day is pretty much now in December with the early signing period, right? Uh, from a Tennessee perspective, I mean, Tennessee did nothing. They, well, they they brought they signed one player, but he committed from over the weekend, so it wasn't a surprise. But for some other top pro, uh, programs around the country, there were some blue chippers, some four-stars, highly rated four-stars, some five-stars who went ahead and signed and flipped and uh, did their little thing on National Signing Day. So there was still some uh, interest there from SEC schools, particularly Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Florida, a little bit of Alabama, Missouri a little bit. Um, but nonetheless, kind of leading up to Signing Day, Lane Kiffin, who's never short for a quote, had this today leading up to Signing Day, all right? And immediate availability said, we don't have the funding resources as some schools with these name, image, and likeness deals. It's like dealing with salary caps. He says some schools can pay five to ten times more than that of LSU. Quote from Kiffin, I joked, I didn't know if Texas A&M incurred a luxury tax with how much they paid for their signing class. Da, da, da. More on Lake Kiffin. Somehow, they're going to have to control name, image, and likeness. You've got these salary caps, schools giving players millions to sign before they even play, uh, any other places not being able to do that. Uh, what would the NFL look like if two or three teams could pay 10 times more in the salary cap? Kiffin goes on. There are some schools with no shot to recruit certain players. If a class have an, has an average of $25 million in name, image, and likeness, that's $1 million a person. In NFL free agency, players go to the most money. These players are 17, 18 years old. They're going to go where they get paid the most. You've legalized paying players and that's what name image likeness is for better or for worse you know there's i mean it's going to play a huge role in recruiting that's just fact of the matter so you either got to get with it or you know get lost um there might be some controlling of the name image likeness down the road but right now it's the wild wild west we're also trying to figure it out and so um and again we can have a bigger issue we can or excuse me we can have a bigger discussion on name image likeness you guys know how i view it i think it's it's fair game right i think everybody deserves to profit off his or her own name, image, and likeness. But you'd be foolish not to think this is going to come into recruiting. Now, the schools are not allowed to facilitate it, meaning 
if you go on an official visit, Lane Kiffin can't say, hey, if you come here, I'll give you $5 million. They're not supposed to, but just like in the old days, you weren't supposed to pay players. So that just kind of is what it is reading between the lines, right? But no doubt about it, blue chippers are going to get NIL deals in recruiting, and it happens everywhere in the SEC, believe me, right? So Lane Kiffin had to say that earlier this week. And again, it's just, it, it, it's it's legal now. I mean, it's legal. So like there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. It's completely legal now. Again, the schools are not supposed to facilitate it. But again, name, image, and likeness is legal. So, you know, sparking up a NIL deal with a recruit once he signs to Tennessee, that's legal as long as the school doesn't do it. So, uh, or facilitate it. So that's what Lane Kiffin had to say um, on this whole matter. Here's what Jimbo Fisher had to say in retaliation um, in his uh, press availability following signing day on Wednesday. Keep in mind, Texas A&M, a historic signing class. Number two in rivals, but number one all the way across the board, every other publication. They have brought in some great, great, great players. Give this a listen or give this a view uh, here on YouTube of what Jimbo Fisher had to say, essentially, in retaliation. You ever come to school here and see the education? You ever talk about the 12th man, the Aggie Network, when you're done? There ain't a better university in this country. And it's insulting to what you say. And all these, and we got writers who, who have said it and done it. Off sliced bread, a guy named Sly who made it up. Love to see who sliced bread is and put it out there with sliced bread. Let me find out where it comes from. And then to have coaches in our league and across this league to say it, clown acts. All right? Irresponsible as hell. Multiple coaches in our league. And the guy's griping about NIL, griping about transfer portal, using it the most and bragging about it the most. That's the ironic part. You want character? I'll trust, I'll take it with any of y'all. It's a joke. It does piss me off. So that was Jimbo Fisher on Wednesday. First of all, I can't I can't continue on with this podcast without acknowledging um how he says the word league. 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 Across this league. <laughs> I mean, listen, I hey. I have my issues in pronunciation and saying words. You guys have heard that, you know, on this podcast plenty of times. So I've got no room to talk, but I think that is hilarious. So that was Jimbo Fisher, a pissed off Jimbo Fisher, a fiery Jimbo Fisher, obviously talking about Lane Kiffin, who talked about Texas A&M the day before, two days before. Also, don't forget, Lane Kiffin came out and was tweeting that he is the portal king. He is the transfer portal king earlier this week as well. So obviously Jimbo Fisher is talking about Lane Kiffin. Well, Every school or every single time the, the conversation of paying players or name, image, and likeness now gets brought up, Alabama is going to get brought up. It has been for years and years and years, and it's going to continue to because Alabama gets the best players routinely and wins championships. The question was asked about the regulation of name, image, and likeness and how that needs to be you know, formatted going forward. Here's what Nick Saban had to say following his signing day press conference uh, here on Wednesday. I've always been able to work. Uh, I think it's a good thing that players now have an opportunity to work and make money through name, image, and likeness. Um, you know, I would hope that we come up with some system in the future where, um, and I'm not accusing anybody of anything, uh, but I, I don't think players should make a decision about where they go to school relative to how much money they're going to make in name, image, and likeness. I think all the players on our team who uh, made money in name, image, likeness this year, you know, had representation on their own, and all those deals were created on their own based on their brand and what they did. There's nobody at this institution that had anything to do with any of that. Um, and uh, 
I, I, I just don't think that, you know, somebody could, should pick, somebody should pick a school because of the institution, uh, the relationships that they have, uh, how they can develop personally, academically, and athletically, and the kind of program um, that they have and the kind of institution that they want to go to. So uh, I just hope that it doesn't get to where name, image, and likeness deals are created, you know, for high school players uh, to get them to go to a particular institution. And I'm not accusing anybody of that. I'm not saying anybody did that. That's not why I'm saying this. I'm just saying philosophically, I think it's great that players can earn the right to make money uh, through name, image, and likeness when they're on a college team. I just hope it doesn't get to that point uh, because then you open up, you know, a, a, a whole new can of worms when it comes to recruiting. It's like, it's like a defensive back putting his hands up. Like, oh, I, I didn't touch the guy. Penalty flag, pass interference. No, it wasn't me, though. I didn't say anything. I'm not accusing anybody. That's Nick Saban. That all sounds great. All, but, you know, it is what it is. Plus, the premise of what Saban is saying, absolutely correct. You hope that a prospect will never make the decision on where he's going to go to school based off an endorsement deal he's going to get in through name, image, and likeness. You want to go for the school, the relationships, the academics, all that. I mean, all that stuff sounds great. But even before name, image, and likeness, I mean, gone were the days, long gone were the days of you attending school for the school, right? It's about the relationships. That's why you always got to say you don't want to get too attached to a head coach because they could be gone in the matter of, you know, just whenever he gets a better job offer. So I wanted to play that clip from Saban. Yeah, it all sounds good there, Nick Saban, but that's not quite how the world works. And you, my friend, you know that better than anybody. All right, so some good, juicy content from fellow SEC programs and SEC head coaches uh, this week. Wanted to bring some of that onto the pod. Name, image, and likeness. It's not going anywhere. It will certainly be in recruiting from here on out. How it's regulated moving forward? Question mark. We'll have to see. But right now, it is the wild, wild west. And hey, it is completely legal. It's compl No more wink-winks. Okay, it's completely legal as long as the schools themselves do not facilitate these deals. We'll have our buddy from Locked On Auburn, Zach Blackerby, join us here in segment number two to talk a little bit about the Senior, senior Bowl. Uh, but first, guys, bet online. It's got you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march throughout the playoffs, right up to the big game here in just a couple of weeks. It'll be a week from Sunday. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, news, throughout the entire season. And it's not just football either. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with real live-time updates on the current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all these amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online. It is where the game starts. And you guys know me. I've been telling you about this app. Everybody needs to know about who drives. It's called Get Upside. My listeners right now are earning cash back for every single gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. And while you're there, use the promo code SCORE for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up. Cash back. Don't pay full price to the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free. Use the promo code SCORE for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back is added right to your account. You can cash out at any time using your bank account, PayPal, e-gift cards, Amazon, and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use that promo code SCORE to get up to $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's promo code SCORE at GetUpside.
Segment two of a Friday show. Welcome back into it here on Locked On Balls. I am your host, Eric Kane. And now I'm pleased to bring to the show my good friend, Zach Blackerby. He is the host of Locked On Auburn and does a uh, does a fantastic job. The standard is right up here with Zach and Locked On Auburn. Uh, he does an awesome job. And uh, he was at the Senior Bowl all week long. Well, Senior Bowl practices. So I wanted to bring sure. him on to the show. Zach, what's going on, man? Hey, dude. Uh, thanks for having me on. Congrats on uh, being with the network for a year. You've absolutely blown it out of the water. And so, uh, but yeah, Senior Bowl was fun, man. It was cool seeing uh, seeing a bunch of locked on hosts. We got to get you down to Mobile next year. So, we, uh, we you know, you can kind of have fun and join the party. But um, crummy weather, but uh, it, it was cool seeing everybody for sure. Yeah, I'm going to have to get down there. Uh, absolutely. Just uh, for anything, just to network with all you guys and I mean, it's just the who's who in sports media that's down there. Plus, you get representatives, head coaches, general managers, um, you know, front office personnel that's down there from every single organization. So a really, really, really cool time. Josh Heupel, Cody Burns, a couple of the uh, assistant coaches for yep. Tennessee. They were down there this week. And so uh, how important is this week for these student athletes? I mean, I keep stressing the game is fine. The game is going to take place on Saturday, but it's the Tuesday through Friday work. That is important, right? I, I think it's that. Uh, and I think it's even more important, the conversation. I mean, all the teams are there. You know, they're talking to these dudes, you know, in professional settings and interview settings. I think that stuff's more important than even what they're doing on the field. You know, a team's not going to draft you or not draft you based on what you did with all of this. But um, I do think it puts a little bit more on tape with some guys that maybe are playing out of position, which, um, you know, Cade Mays kind of scooting around the offensive line, playing things that he wasn't used to. I think it's really valuable for folks like that to kind of say, hey, you obviously have tape on me doing, you know, other things, but, you know, you scoot me inside a little bit and, you know, you're being coached by an NFL coaching staff. I think that's appealing. I think that can certainly help you. But as far as, you know, how much it's helping you kind of build these relationships with these teams, I think a lot of it's happening off of the field. Yeah, it's a good point, kind of away from the practice field and the other things, the other functions that are going on. Yeah, you mentioned Cade Mays. You know, he's he's a guard, played tackle this year. He's repping at center at the Senior Bowl, kind of like going back to his Georgia days where he's playing up and down the line. But we'll get to Tennessee players here in just a moment. Overall, sure. what were some more impressive things you saw this week from Mobile? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was just, uh, you know, seeing guys adapt to the pace of the game. and. Uh, I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, obviously, quarterbacks draw a ton of the competition, Eric. And this quarterback class is interesting because there's no clear-cut number one guy. And I don't know how many guys are really even deserving to be picked in the first round of the draft. I think several of them will just because teams are desperate to, you know, find a quarterback. And so it's worth the lottery pick. But, you know, Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, the conversation about his hand size was fascinating. Of course, the, the standout quarterback from Pitt, um, Malik Willis, the, the very athletic player from, uh, from Liberty, the former Auburn Tiger, may I add. I jokingly said Auburn legend Malik Willis all, uh, all week. People hated it. I'm the of only course, one who thought yeah. it was funny, but that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's interesting to see those guys compete because they're really fighting for something. Desmond Ritter, you know, he had a few moments, but... I, I think inconsistencies at the quarterback position was kind of um, kind of the thing I was most into. Yeah, that's no surprise because again, quarterback is what you know puts people in the seats and that's what makes a franchise. And so, 
Uh, obviously, I, I, I saw the media scrum one of these days. I saw a picture on social media, the media scrum for Ritter. And it was like just a few people want to talk to Dr. Ritter this week. So I thought that was funny. Yeah. It's as far as the Tennessee personnel, you mentioned Cade Mays, offensive lineman. You had Valus Jones, the wide receiver and, and returner, both punt and kick returner. And of course, Alante Taylor, the cornerback. You mentioned a little bit about Cade. Anything about those uh, that trio for Tennessee that you might have saw or you might have heard the, the talk while down in Mobile? Yeah, the, the Cade Mays situation is interesting. I bet he's a guard, Eric. Um, I'm a little intrigued why they moved him to center uh, early in the week, but I, I bet he's a guard at the next level. That seems to be where most people want to see him. But um, he was on an offensive line that was getting dominated by the defensive front of pretty much all SEC dudes. And I don't know if it's necessarily a him thing. I mean, none of the offensive linemen look good, but just the matchup wasn't there. Like the defensive line roster was better than the offensive line roster. Uh, so like, I don't know if that's really a maze issue. I just think that's how it is. Yeah. So that, it'll be interesting to see how folks kind of respond to that. You mentioned Jones, the, the wide receiver. I think he plays physical, uh, or at least he played physical this week. His big thing was if he didn't beat you off the line, he wasn't going to win the rep. He's good at exploding off the line, but you know his breaks didn't look as clean. And you know, you and I talked briefly before we uh, press that record button. But you know, uh, a pretty solid returner. You kind of expect his breaks to be a little bit cleaner, and that wasn't really the case. But he beat several guys off the line, which is something that you obviously want to see. And then maybe you know an NFL coaching staff can kind of develop um, his route tree. Um, a, a little bit more. So there's that. And then Alante Taylor, uh, admittedly, I, I didn't see a whole lot of him, but what I can remember, Eric, was when he stayed on his feet, he made good plays. I remember him falling down a few times. I don't know if it was his cleat situation or, or balance or what, but he fell down two or three times, um, which I didn't really notice that being a consistent theme throughout the week. So maybe, uh, I don't know, was that an issue at Tennessee? Did he have balance? Oh, yeah, 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 that, oh, that happened at time or two. So. Okay, so so maybe maybe that's a trait on his part. So there you go. Hey, did so these teams, I believe the uh, I believe the Senior Bowl, it's it's north-south, right? It's now, it's... um. Is it east-west? Uh, no, it's American and national. Okay, so whatever. I, how you sort those out, I don't know. But... Um, how do you sort those out? Do you know that? How do you make the American team or the national team? So one is the Jets coaching staff and one was the Lions coaching staff. Yeah. And they kind of pick and choose um, oh. who they wanted. So that's, so that's my understanding chance, of it. There's a chance that the, that the Tennessee players who were there could be on opposite teams. I think there's a chance of that, but I don't think that happened. I okay. think it was all, um, I, I think they kind of keep the same schools together. Okay, I mean, it, it seemed like, uh, and, and I forget which one was the latter one. Because there is like an early window and it's the same team. I think the American team is first and the national team was in the afternoon. And like all the SEC teams are like on the same team. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So my next question was going to be, do they practice against one another? Kind of like an NFL training camps where they have joint practices. Was that the case? Or I guess it was too, it was, it was held at different times. Held at different times. Yeah. There's a, there's a, an early window and then there's like a 30 minute break and then there's the, the ladder. And so you have like the jets running the first practice, then you have the Lions running the second practice. And I guess that's because, and the drills and the, the practice was different because it was like whatever the, the coaching staff wanted to do. Yeah. And I guess that's just to emulate, you know, how they would be in practice to give them that rep of what it would be like at the next level, what they'll eventually be doing, which makes sense. 
Mm-hmm. And what a great opportunity for the Jets and the Lions to see these guys firsthand. I mean, to, to get to know these guys and really get a closer look. So, um, yeah, props to both of those teams. I hate I the mean, Jets, but but props to them. <laughs> Essentially, you know, it, you, you're it, it's kind of like, okay, your team sucks right now, so you're going to get awarded this opportunity <laughs> to go to the Senior Bowl. But, hey, I would take it, too. That sounds like a lot of fun. And, 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 and apparently, sorry to cut you off, the, the, uh, the process is – the the team with the highest draft pick that keeps the coaching staff. So like the Jags would have gotten first dibs, but obviously with the Urban Meyer stuff, that was gone. And then yeah, he gone. these were the two that kind of fell into the, the pecking order. Oh, that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, uh, we got to we got to get you out the door here. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, we'll have to do this in a couple of weeks to uh, preview a big basketball matchup. But on that note, you know, Bruce Pearl, former Tennessee head coach. A lot of Tennessee volunteer fans still want Bruce back. That's never going to happen. Right. But how's this ride been up to number one uh, in program history for the very first time? And it's never a dull moment with Bruce Pearl, who's already had to sit no. out a couple games this year due to obviously the uh, allegations allegedly uh, into the Auburn program. Right. Right. Yeah. No, Bruce is great. Um, I'm so thankful for that barbecue that he had with you guys forever ago. That was, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a big one. Costly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, the best barbecue to ever happen from an Auburn perspective. But oh, yeah, I mean, the ride, I mean, he, he did this with Tennessee, right? Like he's mm-hmm. one of the few active coaches to take multiple teams to, to that number one spot. And so obviously Auburn and, and Tennessee uh, originally. So um, he's he's one of the best in the country and he got paid and he's going to get paid for a very long time. He got interest from Louisville and then he used that. Uh, to get a few things out of the Auburn administration, including more money for him, more money for his staff, and also um, a basketball-only facility on the way, which is remarkable that that Auburn is at that point. So, um, but yeah, Bruce has been incredible, and obviously uh, Auburn goes to Knoxville in a few weeks, and Bruce has really had Tennessee's number. It's almost like it means a little bit extra for him or something, huh? Yeah, I would uh I would say so. Um those games stick out. And, you know, when Bruce I, I know we're up against it, but like Bruce like Milwaukee was con- whatever school he was at before Tennessee. It's been so long ago, I can't remember. Sure. He took that team to the Sweet 16. He came to Tennessee, uh, obviously took Tennessee on a couple of runs, put Tennessee uh into the Elite 8, number 1 in the country, and then now what he's doing at Auburn. Um he's like you said, he is one of the best uh it active coaches uh to, to be doing it right now. He he's a stud, that's for sure. Yep, no question. And with, you know, questions, you know, uh, around the around the country and with Coach K leaving, I think you can make the argument he's a top five coach right now, which is really fun to see. Yep, especially at a football school like Auburn. So, uh, Zach, well, appreciate we're, it, we're man. Like a basketball school like Auburn. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, we're gonna we're gonna do it again here in a couple weeks to preview that matchup. Thanks so much for being our eyes down in Mobile this week. Hey, thank you, brother. Talk to you soon. Ah, right, man, that's Zach Blackerby from Locked On Auburn. Uh, technically. Technically, he's my boss, uh, but he's a cool guy. So, really, we'll have to have him back on the show uh, for sure. Uh, Zach, a big fan of the Built Bars. He told me right before we got on here, uh, it's New Year's, New Year's resolutions. And if you're wanting to get fit, maybe lose some weight, and check out that uh, that calorie count, you guys need to check out the Built Bars. Uh, Built Bar is a protein bar. It looks and tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. You want to eat healthy, but sometimes it just gets so boring. Week two or week three, you're saying, hey, where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate for your liking, but it's only got about 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 17 grams of protein. However, that's the difference. And 
compare all that to a normal candy bar where you're sitting around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens and dozens of net carbs. Plus, the flavors are incredible. You got peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, coconut almond, uh, mint brownie, salted caramel, all that and more. You can find it at Built.com. While you're there, while you're at Built.com, use that promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. That is at Built.com. All right, one more segment left here on a Friday Locked On Balls. Been a fun week. We've had some great guests on as well. And thank you guys for uh, for hanging out with us uh, and making Locked On Balls your first listen each and every day. All right, uh, we'll get to a Tennessee-South Carolina preview here in just a moment. But, oh, my goodness, Lady Balls last night. 84-59 was the final score. It's probably me. So here's, here's you know, let's look behind the curtain here. My my mind's a programmer. I, I'm, I'm a radio guy. So... I know what drives the ship here. I know what moves the meter. Tennessee football, Tennessee football, Tennessee football, Tennessee football, Tennessee football, okay? Then there's men's basketball. Then there's VFLs in the NFL. Then there's SEC football, stuff like that. And then it's Lady Balls. That's the same way in radio. And that's no disrespect to the ladies. It just, point blank, hey, I I like, uh, I like you know, giving my listeners what they want to hear. I like making money. And uh, that's, that, for the most part, for the most part, that's what ratings, uh, you know, reflect, right? But knowing this Lady Vols team and the talent that's been on this Lady Vols team in the start of the season, knowing the potential potentially, knowing the potential potentially, wow, knowing the potential that's there of a March run, I've been starting to sprinkle in some Lady Vols content. I'm sure you guys have caught up on that, okay? That's just kind of how my programming mind worked. But since I've been doing that, Lady Vols have lost two games. Last Thursday night to a winless team in SEC play in Auburn, and last night to a Florida team that was 15-6 and six on the season, 5-3 and three in SEC play. A team that historically has four wins. I, I, I read that stat. Four wins against the Lady Vols historically. So maybe it's my fault. Maybe I should just shut up and never talk about them again. But uh, Wolf, so I'll take the L on that one, but I can't take all the credit because, goodness gracious, Lady Vols shot 30% from the field, only had one player scoring double figures. That was Die, uh, nine points from Darby as well. You had Ray Burrell scoring nine points, eight points from Tamari Key. Uh, you know, you had Jordan Horson that scored five points, five points at six turnovers. Meanwhile, the uh, Florida shot 53% from the field. It was I mean, Lady Vols just got demolished in three of the four quarters. Outscored 25 to 18 in quarter number one. They deadlocked at 11 apiece in quarter number two. 23 to 12 outscored in quarter three. 25 18 outscored in quarter four. I mean, Tennessee just just a bad, bad showing. And, and really, you know, since that, you know, 15 and 0, you know, start in conference play or whatever the case may be, or excuse me, uh, that's. 15 and one start to the season. I mean, they've even the games they've won, they've been struggling a little bit, had to, you know, you know, rally to come back and defeat Georgia. That was a tough team. Of course, that was a ranked matchup. Lost to Auburn, had to win in overtime against Arkansas, and then just got demolished against Florida. That's not what you want because you head into a big weekend showdown with UConn on the road. So you hope Lady Balls bounce back. The talent is still there. I think uh, Kelly Harper's done a fantastic job navigating through this injury plague season but not a good showing against Florida on Thursday night. Uh, didn't want to have to come on the podcast and talk about it, but just like I am with Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball, got to be objective. Call it like I see it, and that was bad on Thursday night. All right, Tennessee men's hoops. They are going to be back on the road 1 o'clock at South Carolina. The Volunteers, number 22 in the country, 15-6. and six. 
uh, six and three in SEC play. South Carolina is 13 and eight, four and five in SEC play. South Carolina started SEC play one and four, but has since won three of four games, nine and two at home. Uh, those losses uh, on, on the year at home coming to top rank Auburn and then Florida. Uh, Tennessee is currently number 13 in the net rankings. Each of the six losses for the Volunteers are quadrant one losses. Uh, you look at kind of how these teams stack up in a number of categories. Offensive, uh, uh, adjusted offensive efficiency. South Carolina is 219th in the country. Uh, adjusted defensive efficiency. Tennessee is 8th in the country. South Carolina is 30th in the country. So just a little bit about how those teams stack up in that regard. Um, you look at South Carolina, you've got uh, the leading scorer for uh, South Carolina, and his name is James Reese. At 15 points against Tennessee back on January the 11th. Uh, actually, he's their second leading scorer. Uh, averages almost 11 points a game. Last three games, he's averaging 18 points a game. So somebody that's you know really, really hot right now. The leading scorer is guard Eric Stevenson, averaging 17 points a game in SEC home games, uh, compared to just 7.2 points per game uh, in the conference road games. Gamecocks ranked 13th in the country, second in the SEC with 13.4 offensive rebounds per game, and they're holding opponents to just a 40% clip from the field. That is 40th best in the nation, third best in the SEC. So Guy Ziegler did a really, really nice job against South Carolina uh, last time out as Tennessee beat South Carolina 66-46 to um, at home January the 11th. Uh, in his first rotation of the game, had a rebound, two assists, two steals, four points, finished the game, 11 points, four steals, and four assists. Josiah Jordan James had that buzzer beater uh, heading into the half. If you remember that, he finished with 11 points, 12 rebounds. You had uh, Bescovy. Um, he was uh, one of four players to score in double figures, 14 points. Fulkerson um, added 10 points as well and blocked a pair of shots. So it'd be great to see Fulkerson get back into rhythm because he had success against South Carolina there earlier in the year. So this is a team that Tennessee is capable of beating. Tennessee is already handled by 20 points once already this year. Um, you know, when trying to get back on track, when trying to, when trying to, you know, continue to up its resume and, you know, play about as good as it can heading into the, to the teeth of the SEC schedule. This is the game that Tennessee needs to win on the road against a team that, you know, Tennessee, uh, can handle because it's again, it's already kind of handled it. Uh, here in recency for the Volunteers, uh, Tennessee's won its last four SEC games a win at Vanderbilt, at home against LSU, against Florida, and then against Texas AM earlier this week. Of course, in the midst of that four game SEC winning streak, lost in the SEC Big 12 Challenge at Flor at Texas last weekend, and the dramatic comeback 52 to 51. So, a little bit of a preview for the Volunteers as Tennessee tries to win over South Carolina for the second time this season. They'll be at Mississippi State next week, and that will be a challenging game. Back home against Vanderbilt and Kentucky, the next two home games on the road at Arkansas. That'll be a challenging game. Then at the on the road against Missouri, who knows what Missouri team you're going to get. Hosting top-ranked Auburn on the 26th and then hosting Georgia, and then we'll play or at Georgia, and then we'll host Arkansas. So you're not out of the woods yet. You've gone through a tough schedule in the SEC play, specifically to begin the season, but you still got some some really challenging games ahead if you're Tennessee, who's 15-6 and six and 6-3 six and three in SEC play. All right, had a whole lot of fun here with you this week. Again, don't forget, if you haven't already, please support the show. Go find it on YouTube, at Locked On Vols on YouTube. Uh, subscribe, 
Check it out there if you like to. I really, really appreciate that. You're going to help us all out here at Team Locked On Balls. And of course, for always making Locked On Balls your first listen. Check out Locked On SEC. Make that your second listen uh, with our guy Chris Gordy. Does a fantastic job. Interviews from all around the SEC, from all the programs. Make that your second listen. Locked On SEC behind Locked On Balls, which is your first listen. Big thanks to my buddy Zach for stopping by today. Ramon Foster, uh, Aiden Bustle. Um, everybody else, uh, Rob Lewis, everybody else that joined the show this week, really, really do appreciate our awesome lineup. We'll be at it again next week with some more Lock on Balls content. Guys, thank you so much as always. Enjoy your weekend, everybody.